Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Kyra Little, and today I have with me Dr. Richard Moore, who's running, thank you, thank you, who's running for um, the Richland County District 1 School Board Council. And so, as you know, we're going to continue to keep bringing the candidates to you in order for you to have an informed decision. So, welcome to the show, Dr. Moore. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here this morning. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day, because I know you're out here campaigning to make time so that the listeners can hear who you are and to learn a little bit about you on today. You're very welcome. So, Dr. Moore, let's start off with, tell me, what is the role of the school board? The school board is the entity that makes most of the policy decisions for a district. Um, One of the websites uh, that talks about school boards talks about the fact that it sets the vision and the direction for the school board and then oversees as the administration um, enacts that vision and does what's necessary to make that vision come to life. Then they also have to do with the hiring and with the opening and closing of schools and those kinds of things. Okay. Okay. And I know one of the important roles also, all of those roles are important, but I know that you guys are the ones that actually um, can hire or fire the superintendent. That's correct. Okay. Okay. So, Dr. Moore, I want to give the listeners an opportunity to hear about your background, who you are, your qualifications um, that you feel that would deem you as being qualified to be part of the council. Well, I have been with Richland District 1 since first grade, which is about 60 years. So I've been a student. I've been um, an employee uh, as I was a teacher and both an administrator at the building level and the central office level. And I've also been a parent and am now a grandparent in the district. I have eight grandchildren who are all in District 1 schools. And um, I've also served as a volunteer and on school improvement councils and those kinds of things. Um, In addition to my uh, time that I spent uh, at at elementary schools, two different schools, I was at Brennan Elementary for 15 years and then at um, Logan Elementary for 15 years. I also spent five years in the central office in the um, human resources department as the elementary director of personnel um, and helped with the staffing of the elementary schools in the district. I worked very closely with the secondary personnel director um, at the time who worked with the middle and high school, so I was very familiar with how that worked as well. And I think all of those things, uh, those experiences Mm -hmm. and my education Mm -hmm. um, and the insight that I have from being with the district a long time, I think are what qualify me for uh, serving on the Board of School Commissioners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I thank you for running all that down for us. Um, 
because it's important um, to have people that actually have an inside working and knowing about how the schools operate. I mean, you know, you've been a principal, you've been in the district, and those things are really important because um, I think it's a little difficult to make decisions, um, and I'm not saying that it's not possible, but I think it helps, and it, it helps you to make a healthy decision when you've been in the classroom, you've been in some of those different positions, you've actually been the principal of a school, so you can relate on a different level. And I think those things, they, they make a difference. Well, and I think also since I've retired, I've kind of kept my hand in. I work with the university to supervise student teachers. Okay. And as a professional development um, liaison for one of the elementary schools in District 2. And then um, I've also am part of a uh, nonprofit organization in the Eau Claire area of Columbia, the 29203 area called Koinonia of Columbia. I'm on their board and I also have directed their summer school and after school and currently am directing their um, what you I guess you might call their religious studies portion of the after school program. So I'm, we work in conjunction with Arden Elementary and um, Hyatt Park Elementary very closely. So I'm still very much in touch with what's going on in the schools and with, really what good. the children need. That's really good. We have to thank you for your service on that. That's for sure. Um, so Dr. Moore, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about charter schools? I don't personally have a problem with charter schools. I think um, there's a place for being able to offer different kinds of alternatives to folks. Um, my biggest concern is that I think charter schools um, kind of begin to, to get into that field where we forget sometimes that what's best for everybody is what's best for one person. Mm. Um, I get real concerned that we've kind of lost that whole public idea of, um, you know, we all need to make sure that everybody succeeds as opposed to just worrying about my child succeeding. Now, charter schools are a little different from public schools because charter schools are public, I mean, from private schools. Charter schools are public schools, and they use public funds, and they do have to um, answer to a lot of standards that the schools do. And so um, that's a little bit different category and the alternatives that are sometimes offered are good ones. But again, there, are, there is a population of children out there who for whatever reason will, be in, will not be able to have those kinds of alternatives, mm -hmm. whether it's because of the effort of their parents or because of financial constraints or transportation or whatever it is. And those kids are the ones that also need to have just as good an opportunity and the same kinds of privileges and opportunities as all the other children. Do. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, how do you feel about open enrollment, school of open enrollment, and school of choice for parents? Well, it comes back down to the same thing. I think it, it can be done. I really don't, as I said, don't have a problem with parents having a lot of say in what happens with their children. Absolutely. But when we get to a point where um, we begin to uh, separate kids um, based on what they can or cannot have access to, then that concerns me that, that they're going to be kids who are left out there without the same advantages. And I think that it's the school board's responsibility if they choose to go the route of a school of choice or a charter school to make sure that all things are equal at the school level. 
maybe there's a program over here that's not over here right. or something's closer to home for somebody. Those kind of things are different. But the facilities and the staff and the quality of the programs offered, you have to watch and make sure those are the same for everybody, um, regardless of whatever else you do with, with those kind of things. And I think the school board has that responsibility to oversee that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Dr. Moore, what is your take on addressing the amount of kids being expelled from school and retention? We really do not do, and when I say we, I mean society in general, education everywhere, not just District 1. Mm -hmm. I don't think we do a really good job of catching children up. Um, when they hit third grade and there are some significant reading lacks and, and problems with math and reading and those basic skills, then I think the kids who then catch up and succeed are more of the exception than the rule. Those kids who leave school at ninth grade, did, we didn't lose them at ninth grade. We lost them way back long before that. Yes, they are just getting to the age where they realize, hey, I don't have to right. do this anymore. Right. Um, and that's unfortunate. Um, so um, in answer to your question, I think education is about relationships. I think every child needs to have important relationships with responsible adults. Uh, it may be their parents or mm -hmm. fam other family members. It may be a teacher. It may be a custodian or a cafeteria worker. It doesn't matter. They need to have that relationship. And if they have that relationship and they, are, they know that they're important to that person and that person's important to them, then that person's expectations can't help but have an effect on them. And that person can kind of stick with them and say, okay, now look, you got to hang in there. you got to keep working. You know, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. So in order to have those kind of relationships, we need to put as much of our money as we can into the, the staff members mm -hmm. that are directly working with children. And when I say staff members, I mean everybody in a school. Everybody in an elementary school is directly involved with the children there. Everybody in the high school should be directly involved with students there, which means every child should have the opportunity to have that relationship with somebody. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, we're, in a, we're in a tough time here. You know, I always say I do not believe that any child wakes up in the morning and say, I'm going to be bad today. I believe that life circumstances causes issues, and I believe that children sometimes just want attention, and we know, regardless if it's good attention, bad attention. Well, sometimes it's attention, sometimes it's rest, sometimes True. it's a, a place to be quiet for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I know with the kids that I work with in the after school, there are one or two of those children that are just come in just full blast, and if they sit for just a minute and they fall asleep for a few minutes, when they wake up a little bit later, they're a different kid. They're, they're ready to get to work. They're happier about things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know that in our district that food is the kind of problem that it used to be um, with not having enough food, maybe not the right foods, but generally kids who are in school are going to get their meals. Um, and after everybody provides snacks and all that kind of stuff, but the rest is a huge thing. Yes. And kids, you know, we all need time to, to rest and to be by ourselves for a little bit and, and to calm down with what's going on in the world. And I think that's a no, big that's, issue. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, someone shared with me that there was a little boy who 
when he got to school. I mean, you know, he was just, just really tired, and they looked at him a lot of times as being disruptive. But the issue was he was the oldest of several younger children, and the parents relied on him to help get the kids ready, to do all of the stuff that adults are supposed to do. And then when the child gets to school, now you got a teacher telling me what to do, what I can and can't do. But at home, I'm doing all of this, and I'm doing all of this running around. And, it, and he wasn't afforded an opportunity to be a child. Well, as a principal of a small school, which I have been a couple of times, um, and being the only administrator in the building at times, I would handle a lot of the discipline issues. And sometimes those kids would come to my office and have a seat to wait to see me, and they would fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And people would come by and say, aren't you going to wake so-and-so up, get him back? I said, no. He'll wake up or she'll wake up when, they're, when they've had enough sleep, and then we can deal with the issues. And sometimes that's all it took was just that, that mm-hmm. little bit of time. So you just have to know about what's happening with the kids and what's going on. With right, them. right. And what you just said was so powerful because it also shows that you have that compassion for children because you have to. You have to have compassion. Um, and I'm not trying to knock any teachers or anybody else because they do an awesome, amazing job because um, they're looked upon as being, yes, you're the teacher, but for some of those children, you're, you're their parent, you know. Um, and just having that compassion and looking past the issue of what they're actually there for, the issue that's being presented, and seeing that there's another need there. There's something else going on. Well, teachers need to feel support. <laughs> and part of support is giving them the time they need to prepare, um, giving them the size classes that they can deal with and the resources that they can use, giving them support in areas of providing for other than academic needs. I mean, the teacher goes in, and you know that she's going, she or he is going to be faced with a lot of different kinds of right. needs from the children. And some of those that teacher may feel comfortable dealing with, and some of them may not. They may not. So there's got to be some support people there or places they can go to find out what to do. And then they have to have the time to get that done. And we need to support all of that. And uh, sometimes I think we get into the place of, uh, of moving schedules along so quickly mm-hmm. and keeping with schedules and keeping with textbooks and keeping with test scores to the point that, you know, the teacher feels like I've got 30 children in my classroom and I just can't deal with all this. And even in, in this day and age, even sometimes 15 to 20 kids in a class right. present enough problems that you just need this a lot to deal with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we all know, we dealt with COVID, but prior to COVID, we had issues. Um, And so now with having the previous issues and then dealing with a lot of time that was lost during COVID, um, how would would you bridge the gap um, now as far as how how would you plan to assist the district with bridging the gaps of the learning loss? I think what has to happen with the school board is they have got to look at every individual school and what's going on there and pay attention to it, close attention to it. I think the staff of that, I'm not saying they need to run the school. I'm not saying that they need to have to be there every day. 
Um, I'm not even saying that they have to personally gather the information, but there has to be a time period when schools um, set their goals, individual teachers set their goals, they become school goals, and they become district goals. And as you look at each of the, um, those levels and look at the information that's shared about how well we uh, are moving towards our goals, then that's where the school board can say, okay, it can be the, the person that says, okay, school A, you, um, your reading scores were very low. You said you were going to do these things to, to bring them up and get it better. Mm-hmm. How did we do? Now, sometimes a lot of good things go on and scores may still not go up. I mean, that's just a fact of life. I've been in, in plenty of schools uh, long enough to know that test scores aren't everything. But we do have to keep an eye on those because our kids are going to be competing with all these other children all over the state and right. all over the country that are taking those tests. Absolutely. And if there, obviously, if there are things that can be done to help them do better on those tests, then we need to be doing those things. But you have to, the teachers have to set those goals at the level where they understand what each child needs, mm-hmm. and, then it, and then it moves on up. And I think as a school board member, I would push for spending more time um, as a part of the board looking at how individual schools are doing. Right now, there's a tremendous amount of time spent on um, contracts and policies and uh, human resources stuff, personnel mm-hmm. stuff, and I don't know that there's enough time spent looking at how is the school actually doing, right. what progress are they making. Right. And um, you segued into a good point because we do know, you know, I personally know um, people who said that they have applied for positions at District 1, never heard back from HR, and he had to take a contract, sign a contract with another county, mm-hmm. you know, another district. Um, and you're right that, I mean, that is actually a huge problem, but it does have to, you know, they have to, the board has to figure out a way to balance all of this stuff out. Well, you know, I worked in human resources for five years. Okay. And I specifically, what I did was to recruit teachers mm-hmm. and then put teachers in touch with principals and make job offers and help principals look at how they wanted to staff their schools. And um, I know that there are all kinds of issues that can come up. Uh, that slow things down in a human resources office. But I just, I've talked to too many people who have said, well, I wanted to work in Richland One and I couldn't get, you know, it wasn't that I had 10 interviews and nobody hired me. Um, That's a whole different issue. Absolutely. It was, I can't get an interview. I can't seem to find out what's going on with my Mm -hmm. application. Um, And those are issues that we really need to look at. It may be that it's totally out of everybody's hands and the things that are going on that you just can't do anything about. But the only way you know that is to have somebody come in and audit the system and look and say, what's going on? How do you do this, this, and this? And follow some of it through and make some determinations about why it's taking so long. Um, Richland One should have the resources to be able to, from a a, – benefits and monetary aspect mm-hmm. attract teachers as well as anybody else in the state. There's no real reason we shouldn't. I think what makes a difference is 
if our current staff is not happy with things, then they're not saying nice things about the district. If our parents are leaving to go to other places, then that's not saying good things about the district. And so we've got to address those, those issues. And to me, that warrants more time of discussion of the board mm-hmm. than whether or not you're going to continue the contract for food services. Because you know you're going to feed them. You know you're going to do right. that, get that out of the way, and move on. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Moore, do you feel like the current attendance lines provide a level of diversity? We tried, you know, we tried a lot of things with attendance lines. When I was at Brennan Elementary School, I first went to Brennan, and believe it or not, people these days don't believe it, it was a Title I school, and it was predominantly black. Um, And we had a a rather small school there, about 300 people. And a lot of the people who were within the community around, right around the school chose to go other places for whatever reason. Um, We worked real hard to turn that around, but about halfway through my time there, the district rezoned. Mm -hmm. And the purpose for the rezoning was to um, provide school places where, well, there's no other way to put it. They were to provide some places for parents who didn't want to go to the schools as they, as they were established, provide them a place where they'd want to go to school. Um, and so they changed a lot of the zoning in that area around Brennan. It changed the Brennan population a great deal. And it also kind of brought about a revitalization of the, the Creighton and Flora um, zones. Um, well, once you establish the zones, then people start moving according to those zones. And if you've mm-hmm. got a school in a neighborhood that serves its, its surrounding neighborhood, then it can only have in it those people who are in that neighborhood. And that becomes an issue when there are disparities between the schools. And it also becomes an issue if you really and truly feel like we've got to put people together. But, you know, you can't, my mother always taught me, you can't legislate morality. You can't pass laws that are going to make people want to live next door to each other or go to school together. You just can't. What you can do is make sure that all the schools are doing well so that that, and take that equation out of it so that if, you know, you can say to a person, come and look at what's happening at the school and then make a decision. If you come and you don't like what's happening, then that's fine. But if all the schools are operating and all the people in those schools are feeling good about where they are, where they are, and saying good things about those schools, and I don't mean say good things just to say good things. I right. think part of the problem we've got right now is people don't want to admit there's there are issues. That's a fact. Um, I, you know, I really am concerned about that. There's a lot of positivity at the top level about you know things happening, but I don't see that underneath. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, don't, if you don't seriously discuss the fact that we have a lot of schools that are failing as Absolutely. far as students are concerned, mm-hmm. if you don't talk about that, then nothing ever gets done about it. That's right. That's kind of a, a ways off from where you were talking. To, but the zoning thing, it, it's a difficult thing to have to deal with because nobody likes to be told where they have to go. Right. Um, but it would depend on the board would have to sit down and make a decision about what its purposes are for rezoning. If the purposes is to if the purpose is to make better use of facilities and to 
try to do that with as little disruption to students and families as possible, that kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. If the purpose is to try to make people go to school together, then the same thing will happen that always happens. When you when you force an issue like that, people just move to where they want to go to school. And it doesn't really solve the big problem. Because, you know, the whole thing about um, about racial relations is a society problem. Mm-hmm. And the school's just a reflection of that society. We can do some things in the school to help with that by teaching children to get along with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but society's got to do a lot of changing before we can solve the problem. Yeah, and that's a problem that has been here before and, time. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't know. I mean, what what it would take to actually for us to see um, a difference in that? Because um, well, one thing would be for people to realize that a lot of the inequities between schools is not really about race; it's about um, resources. And you know, we have just as many middle-income black families and upper-income black families that leave our district as we did have white families that left a long time ago, um, because it's a it's a resources issue. Yeah. And when you have the resources to make the best choice for your children, if you don't feel like your neighborhood school is the best choice, then you're going somewhere else. And I can't fault people for that. No, you can't. Really I mean, because everybody wants the best for their children. That's right. You know, um, but as I always tell people, regardless of whether you have a child in the school district or not, you are a part of the district. And we have to become more informed on exactly what it is that the district that the boards are doing. We need to make it our business. If you can't actually go to a meeting, then you need to view the meeting so that you will know what's going on because you're, you're going out here and you're casting your vote. You know, and it's hard to get people to actually come to school board forums. Well, and right now, the biggest issue is that even those people who are attending the meetings and watching those meetings don't feel like they're getting enough good information from the district or from the board, Mm -hmm. either one, Mm -hmm. um, to make for them, for the people to make good decisions about what and whether they should be concerned about what's going on in their school or not. And I think, you know, that comes about, you know, one of my issues is the whole idea of staff morale. Another issue that I have is this whole community um, trust, and that's built on transparency and being open with information, Mm -hmm. the good and the bad. That's right. And, you know, yes, there are things that have to remain confidential when you're dealing with personnel. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, Done that for a long time. But... um, but you could, you still have to be able to share enough information with people about the decisions that you make so that they can feel comfortable. And if they feel comfortable about other things, they'll trust you with those decisions too. Absolutely. You know, if they feel like you're being as honest as you can be, then they don't mind saying, okay, I understand. I won't ask about that anymore. Absolutely. But I have watched board members ask the administration for information and not get it. Mm-hmm. Not just once, but two or three times, mm-hmm. and still not get it. And my big concern is that that it doesn't seem to bother the majority of the board when that happens. Right. It seems to be okay with them. If I'm elected as a board member, it is my responsibility to get every bit of information and clarification I need right. to make a good decision. Mm-hmm. Now, I may need more clarification than another board member might. Right. But I, it's my responsibility to ask for it over and over again until I get it. 
And even if all the rest of the board thinks you sure are slow, Richard, why is it taking you so long to decide mm-hmm. this? If that's how long it takes me, they should be supportive of that. That's right. To the point of saying, okay, Dr. Moore has asked for this data twice now, two different meetings. Where's the data? Why right. don't we have it? Right. Now, it's also incumbent upon the board members to make sure that when they get the data, that they look at it and that they Absolutely. do something with it. Um, that, that's the other side of that. But I think right now the bigger issue is that I don't think all the information is coming out. And, and transparency is huge, and that, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. How important do you think it is um, that the board members provide transparency? It's absolutely essential. And I know, um, I know there's been some d- discussion about whether board members should be able to talk individually to the public or if they should talk as a board. Well, you know, I have a responsibility to do what I feel like I was elected to do. That's right. And if there's information I feel like I need to share, then and the rest of the board's not going to share it, as long as it's legal to share it, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to try to share it Mm -hmm. um, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, And then if the the rest of the board finds fault with that, if there's some legal issue, call me on it. Right. That's all right. I'll I'll learn not not to do that anymore. But if the board as a whole had the one single goal of doing the best things for the children, then that that wouldn't be an issue very often. Most of the time, everybody would be willing to tell whatever needs to be told. Absolutely. 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 I thank you for that. So, um, Dr. Moore, let me ask you this. Um, And with you being a principal, I'm I'm excited to hear what your response will be with us, but um, do you believe that art and music are part of a quality education? And if so, what do you plan to do to make sure these programs remain? They're, they're basic skills like everything else. Um, now, we have children who express themselves through the written language, and they're very good at it, and that's their, that's their area. Um, and our schools do a pretty good job of providing them with opportunities. We have children who are who express themselves through music or through physical activity and dance or through um, art uh, in all its forms. Through technology now is another big area. Right. We have to provide opportunities for those children in all of those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for them to learn, but for them to be able to express themselves, which means performances. I mean, nobody argues that we should have a football team. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> those guys that express themselves through football and go on to make a fortune in football, nobody ever questioned whether that was something we needed to do or not. That's a good point. Um, and, but, you know, but there are other sports. There are girls who don't play football who That's don't right. get a chance at some things. There are children who are not at all um, sports inclined or athletically inclined who are dance and music. Now, don't get me wrong. Our district has some really good programs for those things. Mm -hmm. And our district has been nationally recognized in the past for its art programs and its music programs, as well as its, you know, as its um, media programs through the library and and, uh, through the technology. We've gotten a lot of recognition for those things. Um, but it's, it is a fight, and you do have to watch and be careful because when things are passed down from the state level to the local level, quite often we find money's cut short mm-hmm. uh, for those areas because people feel like, well, we just need to teach them how to write. Well, 
you know, that might have been okay 200 years ago when we first started doing <laughs> public education. And basically what you were trying to do is to have people who could read and write so they could vote. But now we're trying to prepare children to deal with the world. Right. And that means they have a right to deal with it through their, through whatever um, process they need. Yeah. And so we need to do, we need to make sure those things are still there and that they're important. And those teachers need to be given the same respect That's right. and the same planning time and mm -hmm. all that as the other classroom teachers. Absolutely. Quite often we hear people say, well, related arts teachers are just related arts. And, you know, my thing is related arts teachers see every child in the school mm -hmm. in a week's time. They grade every child in the school. Um, you know, they're the things that they do with them and the influence. And quite a few of them are the ones who build those really close relationships with students. And so I think it's, it's an important, it's a really important issue. I agree. I, um, my youngest son was in the band. And, man, I didn't realize that the world of, of band was a production the way that it is. <laughs> I mean, they had tractor trailers, and I was just like, oh, my God. And, I mean, even the cost. So it was a, it was a huge production. But, but the thing that I saw also, and this wasn't District 1, it was District 2, but the thing that I saw was that they didn't get the same support right. at all. I mean, and... Um, at the time, Blythewood's band was actually pretty small, but the conference that they were in, I mean, they were blowing, they were blowing people out of the water. I was, you know, really amazed. I'm just like, gosh, they don't get the recognition. <laughs> this is, this is huge, but they're not getting the recognition that they should. So, yeah, yeah. I was, I was really looking forward to hearing your answer yeah. on that one. So now let's move to, I want to ask you. This question here, I'm almost lost. Where I was at, Dr. Moore. Um, what role do you see the school board playing with personnel issues? So you kind of yeah, you know, it's the same. It's it's the same kind of thing. It, it's an oversight role. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think the school board needs to usurp the role of the superintendent because it's kind of like any any place with a board and a CEO. Right. And you you have to pick the right person, but you have to be able to rely on that person to give you the information you need to know whether your head is in the right direction or not. HR is uh, human resources and staffing and personnel. That's one of those areas. Mm -hmm. And um, the board needs to know not only how many vacancies there are, but um, what are the trends that are coming up. What positions are we having problems filling? What kinds of plans have we got to help with the situation? Um, what plans do we have for retaining teachers? And, you know, right now when those questions come up, we kind of get a little laundry list of these are the things we're doing, bam, bam, bam. But I don't say anything about, well, is it working? Well, obviously it's not if we can't fill our position. That's right. So we need to do something different. And not, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with the programs that you got, but if they're not producing the results, then quit telling me about those. Absolutely. Tell me what you're going to do different right. in the future to make it change. Right. And really the only place we can go to for information about what makes a difference to teachers is teachers. That's right. And other staff members, all the staff members, there, there should be – my understanding is that there are a lot of exit con, uh 
exit conferences that take place with employees when they leave. But I keep hearing from people over and over that the information they gave never went anywhere. Now, I know that if I say to them, my pet peeve when I leave, um, I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that that necessarily is the huge enough problem that I'm going to read about in the paper the next day. You know, Dr. Moore left because of this. Right. Um, but you would you would think that there would be some indication um, to the people who gave the exit conferences um, that they might be able to see uh, some differences in how things are handled in the future. I don't know where that information goes. I don't know if the board ever sees it. They might. They might not. I don't know. They should be seeing it. If they're Absolutely. not seeing it, they should be seeing it and be able to ask the questions of, okay, well, so what are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. This person had this problem. What are we going to do about this? And we can't afford to say, oh, well, that's one person. You know, let's don't worry about that. Because if it's one person, then there's several. There are a lot Absolutely. of them out there. Absolutely. And we can, right now we can't afford to even have one person out there saying negative things about the district if we can do something about it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's like I say, you, we can't control everybody. We can't make everybody happy. Um, I've told people since I started running, I said, sooner or later I'm going to make everybody mad at me because sooner or later I'm going to make a decision that you don't like. Right. And, um, and you know, that's, that's just part of, the, that's part of the process. But um, I still I, I want to make decisions that I can defend as being in the best interest of children. Right. And I have to have information in order to do that. And what you said was key. It has to be the best interest of the children right. as well as the employees of the district. And I feel like as long as you can keep that transparency there, it makes it makes a world of a difference, it you know. Does. And people need to feel safe and comfortable enough that they can address the issue without any retaliation because that has been a big thing as well. I've said that a teacher, what we need to have in every classroom is a safe, orderly, comfortable learning environment for both the student and the teacher, where the teacher feel where both the student and the teachers feel supported and challenged. Absolutely. Um, and and supported in trying to meet those challenges. And that means they have to be able to bring their concerns to somebody without, as you say, without retaliation or reprisal. Absolutely. Um, and you know. That's just, and, and if there is retaliation and reprisal, they need to be able to go to somebody and That's tell right. them about it. That's right. And when you get to the bottom line of it, when it all rises to the top, the board's coming with it. And if we deal with it effectively, but down on so much of the problem that keeps coming up. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Moore, how do you plan to monitor the legislative agenda at the state level? That's a, that's, that's a fun thing. I, I think basically what you have to do, number one, you do kind of depend on the administration to uh, let you know when they are when they get communications from the state about what's going on. Number two, you have to yourself keep track of the legislation that has to deal with schools, and that's a that's a massive undertaking. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I think, each of us will have to figure out how we're gonna gonna do that, and nobody's gonna be able to be a hundred percent. We might even want to consider something like having different board members be experts on right. either representatives or different issues, mm -hmm. so that they can tie in and get all that information that they need and share with the rest of the board, because it's it has to be a team effort. Right. And that brings me to my third issue because we talked about staff morale and we talked about the um, community trust. 
My, my third big issue is that working relationship with the board. Mm-hmm. They have to be a team. If they disagree, that's fine. They have to disagree civilly, and sometimes they'll have to agree to disagree. That's right. But they have to be able to reach a consensus on what they can do to move forward, which means they have to trust one another mm-hmm. to be have everybody's best interest at heart, uh, have the children's best interest at heart, and want to make the best decisions. And if, if they don't trust in each other to do that, then you can hang it up. It's not going to get any better. Um, a lot of issues right now come down to um, five to two or six to one or four to three. And it's unfortunate because some of those minority issues, and by minority, I mean the ones that are losing, they get the fewer votes, are huge issues that need to be addressed. Absolutely. And, you know, in my opinion, if the board has one member who's against something, then they need to, to look into that and talk to them and give them the opportunity to say why. Okay. Now, that's, I'm not going to say that they'll always get to, to agree. That's right. But the, the step should be, okay, well, if we, if we can't agree on this, what can we agree on? That's right. Where can we do this to make a decision so that all of us together can move forward? And you can still have your concern and express it every time and keep working at your concern. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we've got to put it aside and try not to have so many divisive votes right. as we have. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you vote, there's a winner and a loser. I, you know, that's just the way it is. And sometimes that's, that's how it has to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I accept that. But if there are decisions, when you're working as a board, you ought to make every effort to reach consensus as opposed to having to have these votes where people are really bit out of shape by what happened. You ought to be able to work through it. Mm-hmm. and say, okay, you can't live with this, what can you live with? Absolutely. Then we can live Comes with it, and let's you. move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I may just be a naive babe in the woods and think, okay, and think, I, and get in there and find out that's impossible to do. But I spent a lot of my time through the years getting people who didn't want to work together to work together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have some expertise in that area at being able to help build a team from a group of people. Well, I tell you what, Dr. Moore, this has been really good. Um, I thank you for answering all of the questions. Well, I appreciate um, the opportunity. Yeah, and I felt like you had you answered them from your heart. Um, and so your passion for the children is there. Um, I think you have some very you have a sound background that I think would definitely you know make you an asset. Um, you got this time now that you can, if there's anything else that you want to pitch well, out to the listeners, um, now is your time. There is. There's one other thing that I think is really important that people have to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, at one of our forums, they talked about placing blame. Who do we blame for this? Who do we blame for that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my thing is that the school board is the group with the responsibility of running the schools and doing the things with the schools. But if you have a school board that is not running effectively and you continue to put those same people back on the board, then you're getting what you ask for. Absolutely. Um, I think people need to understand that the electorate has a responsibility, not just to elect somebody and let them go off and run the board, Mm -hmm. but to keep informed about what they're doing Mm -hmm. and be heard when they are unhappy about something. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And I know people say, well, you know, we don't want to blow up your phone. Well, that's that's the job I took on when I said I would run. That's right. You know, when I said I would run and that I would serve if elated, I took on that job. And I'm ready to hear the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I had parents curse me out in my office. I have one memorable, one memory of a certain <laughs> parent. I won't say male, female, whatever, or where they were from, who cussed me out on a regular basis. And it finally got to the point where I said, look, come in my office to cuss me out. And I will sit here and let you say whatever you want to say. Just you can't do it out here in front of the children. Right. I right, said, you've right. got to come in here. And then I'll listen to it. And I listened to this person many times over the years. Um, and it was real interesting because this person had a child in the school where I first served. And the first day school started when I went to the second school I served 20 years later, here this person is with another child. So, you know, it, 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 it's an interesting thing. But well, I would hope that the relationship changed over well, the period. You know, we had an okay relationship. She just wanted to cut somebody. So, you know, I really, I really feel when I, if I meet her now, because I've seen her a couple of times since high school, it's a very cordial relationship. She's very, very friendly with each other. And I always ask about how the child is doing. And um, But, uh, but you know, it's just, it's just love it. Right. So I say all that to say that the people who do voting, and members that are out there that have these concerns need to push all the board members to solve the problem. So, you know, I may be, I, I'm at large, I'm in, a, in an at-large seat, which means, and I, I love that because I think that's much better than focusing on a certain area because for me, I think it has to be a big picture kind of thing. But everybody who has somebody on the board that they voted for needs to insist that things get better. Not that the board gets along with each other, not that everything's, you know, they get reports that everything's fine. They need to insist on why aren't our schools doing better? Why is it that we have people leave the area because they want to put their children in different schools? And why is it that our city officials have concerns about the fact that they can't get people to move into the area and a lot of it has to do with the schools. Absolutely. And, you know, until we solve that problem, I think everybody needs to continue to put pressure on the board to get the problem solved. Absolutely. I agree. That's one of the things I always talk about here on Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast is legislature. I also talk about how we have we have a service. We have an uh, obligation to the people that we elect. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't elect people and get them in the office and then you just run away from it. No, you have to actually stay informed, stay engaged with what's going on. Ask questions. Um, You know, there's everybody, there's a form of accountability, Mm -hmm. you know, and you need to be in the know in order to make those decisions. You know, laws have to be changed, you know, and so you have to talk to your, your state representatives. Hey, Give them, you know, hey, I'm thinking about this, 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 you know, is a different way that we can look at this law or this is something that may need to be in place. How can we help to get it done? And so, you know, at the end of the day, is that's what it's all about. It's community. We all come together. It's unity. Um, but we definitely have to figure out how can we help, you know. When I have different people on, especially they have already been elected in that position, my question to them is, how can we help? How can I help you better do your job? It's a it's a hard job and it takes a lot of time, but we know that going in. So don't mm-hmm. 
Don't gripe at me about it's taking a long time and this is hard because you knew right. that going in. Absolutely. And, you know, you just need to 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 be responsive and available and open and and, um, and let people know what's happening. And, Absolutely. And, and get information from them. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for this time. Thank it you. went by pretty fast, <laughs> seems like, but we've covered a lot of ground, I think. Um, and I will say, um, I wish you the best. Everybody, you need to go out to vote on November 8th. Um, I have invited all of everyone that is running for the at-large position for District 1. Um, If you don't hear from someone that's on here, then they actually did not take up the offer. So I will also be reaching out to District 2 because they have a lot of people I'm not going to promise I'm going to be able to interview 12 people, but, you know, I do have listeners from that area, and I've asked people who they want to hear from. So um, please let me know who all you want to hear from, and we'll try to make sure that we get them on. So, again, this is Fresher Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little, and I will see you again on next week. It's already done.